things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed. We'll help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show. Uh, hello and welcome to the Jack and Ollie Show, the early careers podcast with myself, Ollie. And me, Jack. And today, we are going to be talking about embedding employability within universities, mm. playing the long game. The long game, eh? Exactly. Uh, and we are joined by a special guest. We are here with Sophie Milliken. She is the founder and MD of SRS. And also, hot off the press, um, author of a new book coming to your shelves. What's it called? Uh, From Learner to Earner. Wow, what's that about? Um, well, should we ask the pro? Yeah. Uh, so, well, go on, talk us through this, so, well, who you from, are, what you do in the new okay, book. Okay, yep, so absolutely, I'm MD at SRS, so we are a graduate recruitment and employability consultancy, so we work with employers to help them design their assessment processes and materials, and we also support them with the outsourcing for their graduate programmes, and we do a lot of work, which I'm sure we're going to touch upon today. Uh, with the universities to embed employability within the curriculum and mm -hmm. the bulk of our programmes at the moment relate to our large-scale assessment centre simulations. Right. And as you rightly said, I have just published my first book, From Learner to Earner, so it is the Recruitment Insider's Guide to Graduate Job Success. So the book oh. is for students and graduates to help them find their first placement or job and it's written from a, recruit, a recruiter's uh, point of view rather than a careers person which yeah. tends to be the case with those kind of books so a bit of a different spin, different spin on some it. great okay. case studies from real employers and also from students too yeah so so the reason you've done this is because of your background absolutely so you were at john lewis before i was so yep so i was at john lewis for for quite a while uh, responsible for graduate recruitment there um absolutely loved it great mm -hmm. place yeah. to to work and a great introduction to the world of graduate recruitment uh, and then six years ago, yes, started SRS. Yeah, yeah, just over six years ago now. So um, yeah, that's gone fast, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, but yeah, absolutely loving that. Love, um, as I'm sure you guys do too, to to work with employers and universities in this wonderful space of graduate recruitment. Mm, absolutely. Um, so this, well, I think we'll just start with the book because it's obviously exciting that it's new it's and it's exciting. here. Yeah. It, yeah, it smells good. It smells new. Oh yeah, feels quality. You can hear that, can't yeah. we? <laughs> Listeners can just hear the knowledge coming out of that. So we've got the title, right? Learner yeah. to Earner. But yeah. what's it? What's it about, and who's it aimed at? So, so uh, it is aimed at students and graduates. Although I think it would be useful for parents as well, who are perhaps mm -hmm. interested in what the graduate recruitment market looks like. It's split into three sections. So, section one is around working out what you want to do, um, finding your strengths, and working out where to look for jobs and how to find jobs. Mm -hmm. Part two is around how to actually navigate those recruitment processes, all of those different elements, and how to actually get the job. Then you've got part three, which is around um, how to impress your new employer and how to excel really quickly within your career and some longer term career planning stuff as well. And all of that is underpinned by 18 downloadable resources which support okay. each of the Great. sections. The book that keeps on giving. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it, it's cool. But it's very user-friendly. It's very easy to pick up and use. You know, it's someone reading it can just pick out which sections are most relevant to them and, and just go to those, or they can read it from, from start to finish. Great. Good overview. Yeah. 
Um, so should we go to the topic then? The topic about embedding employability. Mm. I suppose it's good to start with the definition, isn't it? Oh, go on then. Right. Can I start with what employability is? Well, I was going to ask it as a question. <laughs> so what do we mean when we talk about uh, employability? Ooh. Particularly in universities, I suppose. I, I, I guess whoever you ask would probably have a slightly different yeah. definition. Go on then, give I, it a stab. Oh gosh, um, I wish I thought this. Thought about probably this. Probably could have prepped you on this. I th- <laughs> yeah, yeah, cheers, guys. Um, I think it's around. Well, it's so many different things. So, it, if you were to just sum it up in a nutshell, I think it's around identifying all the things that you have done that make you employable to. An employer so yeah. it's thinking about all the things that you've done whether it be work experience whether it be voluntary work um, and all those academic bits as well everything added together and how you then translate that to an employer to show that you're the right person for a role yeah not very well, snappy I like but, it. Yeah, like preparing know. people for the world of work yes. based on their previous experiences that's much more snappy and yes. accumulation of whether it's knowledge or soft skills maybe technical skills yeah and being applicable for a job. Hmm. And this is really what we're talking about. It's quite different from what people learn on their course when they're at university, which is you know more of a pure academic piece. And this is hmm. typically run by the employability services within universities, which is pretty important for them because um, for them, they, they want to do well in the lead tables and employability is a, a key metric for them. Absolutely. Whereas now, I think it w- w- probably wasn't 20, 30 years ago. Right. But I think it's becoming increasingly now oh, yeah. it's kind of a, sort of a statement slash question for you uh, uh, it is <laughs> just to confuse it you is more definitely. I mean, if you, if you <laughs> yes, would talk yes. to any careers <laughs> any career heads of careers i'm sure they would say that um you know with all the metrics that have come out in terms of graduate outcomes and mm. with the focus on employability within TEF, then absolutely it's it's under the spotlight more and i think from a student point of view they're probably not thinking about those metrics but what they are thinking about is the fact that they're spending lots of money on fees and they want to see something for that yeah are there any universities that are like really nailing employability, or are all universities good at it, or how does that? How does the landscape look like? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're really like? smashing these questions, aren't we? Yeah, I think um, you know all universities are doing are doing something with it, mm. and I think if you were to sp- it would depend who you were to speak to at yeah. universities. I was recently having a conversation with a pro vice chancellor at a university that I'm not going to mention. Um, and she told me that... Oh, it's a she. It's a she. <laughs> it's a she. It's a she. Now it's down a bit. But she told me that um, if she was to answer that, que- that exact question, she would say, absolutely, it's totally embedded throughout mm. the university. But she said, if I'm being honest, it's really not. We say it is, but it's not. And there's so much more we can do. And I thought that was really interesting that, that someone that senior was telling me that, which is yeah. why I can't tell you who it is. Um, <laughs> but my view would be that everyone's doing something and some some are doing it better than others i think the ones that do it well have a very um joined up approach so it's not just the career servers are doing all these amazing things or the academics are doing loads of things it's where they're talking to each other and they're, they're supporting each other because sometimes you do see them operating very um differently and yeah. and very separately mm-hmm. and i think where they work together you know that's where where things are best so so i just came from a meeting this afternoon with the university of hertfordshire mm-hmm. so we do a lot of work with them 
and I think they would be a great example of someone that's done it well. So, uh, I mean, we work with them on their large-scale assessment centre programme, which they call the, the ACE programme. But I think what's really great about that is it fits into so many other initiatives that they're doing as a university. So they're very big on encouraging work experience. They're great at working with SMEs within the region to encourage yeah. them to take on graduates and to think a bit more creatively around sort of remote working and things like that that make that a bit easier. But the thing that I really like about them is that they've got the academics on board, so it's not just led by the career service. Right. And they've worked really, really hard to engage those academics, and I think that's key. Yeah, so how have they done that? Because that's, all, that's always a big challenge, isn't it, with all yeah, unis to appease all the academics that want to make embed theory and make sure that's the real focus yeah. for the university. Well, with the work that we've done, we, we work quite closely with the academics. So even mm. if we're brought in by the career service, we do end up working with the academics, which I love because I think they're, they're really interesting and you learn loads about their subject and how they work. And I think my observation, and this would be with all of the universities that I've worked with, is I actually, th I think the academics are very passionate about their subject, which is great, and that's what you would want as a student yeah. studying on, on their course. Paid to do that. You would, job, yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> so they're knowledgeable and they're passionate about their subject, brilliant. But I actually think a lot of them are quite nervous about what happens after the graduate sleep. They don't know um, the graduate market because they've either never been in it or they have been out of sort of the commercial world for a long time so I think they're a bit apprehensive mm. is, is my feeling and I think that because they're so knowledgeable about their subject when it's something that they're not knowledgeable about they don't like it and it makes them uncomfortable and I've worked with some academics where they've been quite scared of some of the work that, that we've done so what we've tried to do is to encourage them to get involved as much as possible so when we run the assessment days we'll say to the academics you know come along see what we do observe your students and go and sit in on the exercises that they're that they're taking part in because you will then have a great understanding of what those students are going to be doing when they're applying for jobs and you know the materials are so realistic that you will get a really good sense of that and they yeah. will then help you when you're teaching but also just to understand what those students are up against and what they have to go through now and they, they, they don't want to go in. They're, they're really nervous yeah. about it. And we make them. We like, we just make them. <laughs> what, what do you think they're... What are they nervous about? I, I think it's just the unknown. They feel yeah. totally out of their comfort zone. And, and I don't know whether it's that they think we're going to ask them questions about it or what. But we, we always encourage them to go in. And they do, and they do go in. And they, they really enjoy it. And they get that understanding of what it's all about. We usually have employers at those kind of events as well. So it gives them a chance to talk to employers. And I think it just in the way that those programs work well for students to give them knowledge and understanding of an assessment process it does the same thing for the academics and it demystifies it a bit and helps them with their understanding which again if they're then teaching employability in some way throughout the module they've then got some examples to draw upon yeah okay and so we, you you mentioned um you're talking about hertfordshire and mm. you do these like mass assessment um center practices yeah. is, that, is that so it's essentially practicing what assessment centres are going to be like so then if a student goes through that process they're much more comfortable with what might happen and therefore can relax and be themselves. Absolutely yeah that's basically what it is I mean we do some and again this is an example of where it works well where it's all joined up between the academics and the career service so sometimes we work directly with the career service and we'll run these programmes for sm smaller usually groups of students usually on campus but the, the downside of working just with the career service is that any event that you put on has to be optional. You can't embed that in any way if it's through the, just through the career service. Mm -hmm. And it tends to be small scale 
and it tends to be quite generic because you're open to students from any course signing up okay. to it. Yeah. So it's still valuable, but I think what you tend to find is the students that probably don't need as much help are the ones that would come along to something like that. Yeah. Where it has much more value is where you do run it on a larger scale because you can then do it by program. If you've embedded it, the students have to come. They don't want to come. So <laughs> you know, I, I always tend to do the... Um, the openings at the beginning of the day and it's so quiet even yeah. I mean some of our big ones we might do maybe four four five hundred students in a day I mean they're that big um and when I'm doing that that opening bit they're just so quiet and they they look really miserable or they don't want to be there and it's really it's a bit uncomfortable <laughs> at the beginning but then they get stuck into it they do the first exercise they start to relax they start to enjoy it I always hear students in the corridor going oh what did you think of that yeah. it wasn't too bad I quite enjoyed that and I'm like, see, I told you, told I did, you. Told, yeah, you, yeah. did tell you that was going to happen. And really, it's the same scenario. They are, they don't know what to expect. They don't see particularly why they need to be there. They don't want to necessarily be there. And they come along, they do it. They find the materials engaging because we've designed them to fit their course. So actually, they're very valid for the students because they can see that they relate to the jobs that they're applying for because they're 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 aligned to their career aspirations. They're very realistic because we work with employers, so we're still designing materials for employers, so we know that they're current in terms of the types of activities they do. They then do it, they find them enjoyable because it's stuff they're interested in, yeah. and then they're getting feedback on their performance, so they can then see how it relates to them actually securing a job. And then we hear weeks or months later that ex-students have secured placements or jobs, and they, um, they'll write about it in their feedback on their student engagement surveys or their module um, review surveys or um, they quite often have to do a piece of reflective work that's linked to it that's how that's how it's assessed usually when it's embedded and they'll refer back to it then again as well yeah. so um, it's, it's simple but it's effective yeah so we're saying so good practice um, should involve of course the, the career service yeah but also the academics if you can get them in mm -hmm. and then where the um, career services lack resources are you to do large-scale events then yeah. they can use third-party organizations like yourselves yeah. to do that yeah which also includes employers as part of that yeah definitely definitely with the academics i'm interested with the academics is it a case of just inviting them to observe and be part of the days that you run mm. is there anything else there that almost gets that buy-in what's the, so the key to changing the mindset so we definitely do that and I'm, and I'm talking I guess specifically about the work that we're doing with them and there's so many other things where where you would be able to engage them but with with the work that we do earlier on in that process when we're designing the materials they look to us as experts because that's what we do all the time which is great because actually that helps having that kudos with academics straight away they, they yeah. respect you for that but also when we're designing our materials, we will engage with the academics throughout the design process just to check in with them and say, right, these are the job descriptions we've designed for your course. But even before that, we're saying to them, right, what companies do your students want to work for? Right, well, we'll base the job descriptions on those companies. Yeah. What job roles are they most attracted to? Right, we'll, we'll, we'll create those. And then we're showing them at each step so that they feel that they're, okay. they're, they're engaged. So they engage the whole way through and they're, they're a big part of it all. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's almost like having, a, I guess, an evangelist within the university <laughs> to help yeah. guide yourselves and them into, into doing this. I'd say so. Okay, so that's, that's academics. We got there yeah. from uh, what makes it a really effective, what makes employability really effective within universities. Mm -hmm. I think the first point was academics, getting them involved. Yeah. Would you say there's anything else alongside that? I would say, um, 
encouraging or embedding work experience in some way. Mm -hmm. right. So I guess that would have to come from a, a, at a course level or a school level, but again, it's something that career service could support or potentially facilitate as well. Um, I mean, a lot more universities are now encouraging students to do an industrial placement year, which I think is great. I think that's, mm, that's yeah. really good. Um, but a lot of them are building in modules that are specifically allocated to work experience. And I, I just think that's great. I mean, I did some coaching. This is quite going back a few years now. I'm just, just thinking of an example of um, a girl that I coached who had done she, she had some great academic stuff so she had you know all the a stars at every level she'd done a degree she'd done her master's degree so academically really really great but she was really struggling to, in fact she applied for an internship with us that's how i came across right, okay. her and we didn't give her the job because she didn't have any work experience yeah. so none of her although academically she was she was great and she had something she didn't really have anything to back that up so we, we gave the job to someone else and i offered her some coaching because i really mm -hmm. liked her and i, I want to try and help her and it, it related to the fact that she didn't have any work experience so we were trying to help her get some work experience so that she could make her CV look more attractive but it was interesting that that was what was holding her back and actually had she done her degree now and had an element of work experience in there at least that would have ticked the box and she'd have had something yeah and it's not cool graduating and having nothing to draw upon no. she didn't even have any voluntary experience or anything like that. yeah we were talking recently with um Sarah and Simeon from PlaceNet. We yeah. were talking about placements, and of course, most people when they think of placements think of one year industrial placements, mm. but it's actually very common as well. Maybe not everyone's aware that there are much shorter uh, versions of placements which can take place over a term or once a week, over 10 weeks. And I think they're really cool options that um, universities could use more of, and employers could basically offer opportunities mm -hmm. to, to make that uh, a bigger opportunity, I think. Definitely. Mm. common things that you find that um, universities could improve on? So, so common things that they, they sort of, um, they don't do so great when it comes to employability that you think, oh, or there's a few universities that do it really well and that would work really well for other universities? Oh, good question. Um, I always think it's quite hard for career services because they're all, they're all set up a bit differently. So some um, from the outside looking in look like they're set up really well in that they've got a big service and then some are a lot smaller and they've all got different budgets and I think it's quite hard for them to feel like they can do everything that they want to do and I think even the services that have got huge teams actually if every single student made use of their service that they just couldn't do it they just they just wouldn't be able to yeah, good point. Just, yeah. just couldn't do it so I always think they've got almost a just an impossible challenge and I think anything that they can do I think they need to be facilitators rather than delivering everything um, and I think some universities seem to be moving to, to a kind of business partner type model where they are supporting each school within the university and offering advice and guidance and perhaps introducing them to either suppliers or to ways of, of embedding things or, or different initiatives and maybe that's the mm. way to go to have a bigger impact. And which universities are most progressive in that sense? Um, 
I'll tell you, doing some cool stuff at the moment is the University of Liverpool. So, right. uh, I mean, they're, they're everywhere at the moment doing, yeah. doing all sorts of stuff. And I know that they've got a, a business partner type model, which I think is in the early stages. So it'd be interesting to, to see how they're getting on with that. But I, I think that's got loads of potential. Yeah. They've also got a really cool initiative at the moment with their career coaches. Have you seen that? Yeah, where they get students back. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that's, I don't know about that. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, so they've got the students who um, have done placements will then come back and be career coaches for those students looking to go on placement or considering placements. Right, cool. And I think they've found so much more um, interest and engagement from it being more peer-to-peer led than yeah. it be, than, than be sort of people from the university trying to explain right. how it goes about. But I think yeah. they've found so much more uptake from students going in to actually chat to mm. people who have been in their position. They just found it so much more interesting and engaging and I don't know if you've got any other feedback from that I just I mean as an observation I think it's a really creative idea I think it's a great development opportunity for those coaches to have some training around being a coach and also it probably feels good to be able to impart their knowledge and Mm. and help others Um, but I guess it's another example of of where they can facilitate lots of activity and lots of um, positive stuff but without actually having to I mean I'm sure it took lots of time to set it up (laughs) and everything but in terms of the impact that that can have you know, it's got loads of potential. Yeah, it's that networking model where you get the coaches within the career service then look after a certain mm-hmm. amount of uh, students that have gone back right. and they can then look after a certain amount of students coming mm-hmm. in. So it amplifies the effect, right? So you can yeah. look after a wider range of people and there's also probably ready-made networks from students talking to other students who's, oh yeah, I'm a coach by the way and they, mm-hmm. they know other people within the, within the university. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's cool. Mm-hmm. So that was Liverpool. Any others? Yeah. Any other good anecdotes? I'm working with a university at the moment who are designing a new course and it hasn't been approved yet so I won't tell you who it is but, but they've got a really interesting concept where they're looking at how so that they've got a blank piece of paper for this new course and they're saying right what does great employability look like in every year and they've got an opportunity to just create whatever the heck they want really and they've got I would say kind of like a gold standard program that if it gets approved it will be absolutely awesome for the students that okay. go on it so so in year one they would have a, like a festival of activity around um, employability so they would have a, i think it's a full week of, of boot camp type, type activities where they would do the mock assessment centers they do the cv writing the linkedin profile so a lot of those basics and then they would be allocated a career coach Mm-hmm. from that first year who would help them and to identify what it is that they want to do and also work with them to secure a placement so there's a placement as, as part of the program and then this is quite an interesting concept and I haven't seen it done anywhere so if this comes off I think this could be quite cool the career coach will work with that student throughout the the lifespan of their degree course so for the three or four years and check in with them regularly but also they will be the person that goes out and visits them on placement I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, because it's usually the academic, and I wonder how valuable those visits are, and could they be more valuable? And actually, if it was a career coach who's worked with that person and knows what their aspirations are and what their strengths and development areas are, could that be a more valuable visit? I suspect it could be. So, are we at some kind of turning point in the minute where um, most universities have got a fairly standard approach? And there's a very small number of universities who are already doing something different, like Liverpool, mm. and then others looking to be more innovative. But actually, there's nobody who's totally nailed it, and you can say it's a you know gold standard of 
innovation. Oh, that's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> that is hard. It's tricky. It's tricky. I mean, I don't know what every single career service is doing. I know that I know the ones that we work with closely. Uh, I think they're all amazing. Of course, I do. Um, but it's hard to comment. I think on that. But I think they're all they're all doing something good. Good. They're all passionate about what they do, and they're all striving to offer their students a, a brilliant service. I think if you looked at any career service there'd be some cool stuff that you that you could pick out yeah. for sure yeah I'd agree because we run the National Undergraduate Employability Awards so the new awards and there's six, six different categories for universities and we've just seen so much more uptake in the last few years with whether it's new universities or um, well traditional universities all with a, such a great focus on employability it's not only the uptake from people higher up in the business but mm-hmm. also people within the employability departments, career services, really putting their foot down because they know it's going to make them really competitive for the future, but bringing talent in, but yeah. also they want their students to have So I guess you must experiences. have some award winners who've got some pretty cool approaches. A uh, few, few examples for you. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, firstly, your question around have you got any good uh, university examples, I'd put the University of Birmingham straight up there. Right. Uh, they've won some of our awards four or five times over the last 10 right. years. Okay, so consistently. Very consistently, big service, do some great stuff. Uh, one thing that they do really well is they um, have about 200,000 pounds a year uh, they get through bursaries, mm-hmm. and that then um, supports their one in participation students or anyone looking to go internationally to do work experience. Right. It allows them to do that where they wouldn't have been able to do so previously. And it's only through their close connections with the alumni departments where that philanthropy comes through, which allows them students right. to do that That's work where experience. The money from. Cool. Yeah, which is a great way of really linking up different parts of the university quite holistically, and then allowing students to prosper. So Birmingham, I'd say, mm. well up there. Um, it, so we had the new awards in the first of March. A couple of ones to share it out. I'd say uh, best placement service we had Southampton. Right. Um, I thought they did a great job. They won it this year. Um, Sophie, you just mentioned about involvement in first year well Southampton have really started a first year preparation module okay. to get uh, students thinking about employability early so yeah. our is that compulsory you know or um, good question I think it's optional right but it's, it's I, th- I think it's optional it. because I was um, chatting to someone from the career service there um, at the ISE conference and she was saying it was optional but what was really interesting was that they had a really high attendance rate so the mm. engagement was there and I think that's unusual when it's optional so really impressive so obviously right, and that's caught the attention typically they don't start until second year presumably well we spoke in the PlaceNet um, podcast earlier and uh, we worked out there was such a small window if you don't get people engaged early yeah. so if you don't think about employability in your first year because you've got other stuff going on you've got a new new, a week, move away from home you yeah, new life growing up and whatever it is yeah all that fun stuff so if you then go back to university in second year and then want to think about getting a placement or think about some work experience, you've then got that first term to think about it. Pending your progress, you then need to think about maybe housing for third year. Yeah, right. So if you don't do it quick enough, then you end okay. up either in a bit of a, uh, a difficult situation choosing either a placement or living with your friends in a house, and often that gets uh, given priority. So your window to choose whether you can do a placement or not is shortened. Yeah. Therefore, Southampton getting it out in first year, having a preparation module really early on, right. just means you've, you've, you're broadening that window to think about what you can do and increasing your options. Yeah, it makes total sense. It, it really like does. That 
I guess all you need, you need you to do, right? Makes sense. Yeah, and then, then it becomes embedded. Yeah. So another one of the winners were uh, Surrey, University of Surrey. Yeah. They've just got employability embedded across the whole uh, university uh, throughout all their marketing, throughout all their comms. It's just all about you're going there to obviously learn, but it's very vocational right. uh, as well. And they're very proud of what they do. Do you know how they did that? Do you know how they went from, obviously at some point they, that wasn't the case, to now that it is the case? Uh, good question. Wasn't in their submission. <laughs> um, I just know they've been. That's been one of their main focuses as they've grown as an institution. Yeah. And I just it's think one of those things that sort of builds on itself, doesn't it? As you start getting a reputation yeah. for it, it starts you know, seeing a benefit. You continue doing it, and then before you know it, it's all over the place. Yeah. So, so Sophie, if you were to almost build a university now. How, how would it look and what would you think that was the, what, would, what is the future of employability within universities oh gosh um, well uh, I, th I do think it is to go back to bringing in work experience so mm. I really like what you were just saying there about Southampton I think that's cool and actually I think reflecting on my own university experience I think had I had something like that in first year I probably would have done an industrial placement year but like you said got to the point where you just thought I haven't even got enough time to think about this and sorting the accommodation stuff out so I didn't take any of that up but yeah I think it's got to be about work experience it's got to be about I think it, there are some clear things that you can do in first year second year and, and so on that naturally fit and I think that um, there's there's a real opportunity to encourage students joining university to develop an employability mindset from the off yeah so i think it's just it is thinking really widely so one of the things that i mentioned in the book actually is around mm. um how you can take on responsibilities and things at university so that's something someone should be thinking about when they start university so when they go around the fairs and things the freshers fairs and they're looking at the different societies and clubs they should almost, be, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because they go there wanting to have a good time and all those things yeah. that we just said. But actually, within clubs and societies, there's there's always lots of positions of responsibility and it doesn't have to be the head of this or the head of that. It, it can just be taking on responsibility within a role or being involved in um, sport or whatever. There's, there's so many things. So it's almost taking stock of those opportunities working out what they're genuinely interested in but having a bit of an eye on how that then relates to them securing yeah. work experience placements graduate jobs and how that all links together yeah. um, it's like raising the profile of any any type of leadership or responsibility position it yeah. doesn't have to be huge you know it can be uh, safety and security rep in your hall um, <laughs> is that a thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, no. <laughs> You can do that stuff, yeah. but I think it's something to say that's CVable. You might have to go is. to a couple of meetings. Yeah. You might be the go-to person for any misdemeanors, mm -hmm. but at least that's something that you're, you know, you're responsible is. for. It is, and I think there's a real skill, and I don't quite know where, whether this is something that can be, t well, it can be taught, I think, and I don't quite know where it would sit, but I think it's, it's identifying or helping the students to identify how those kinds of roles can then how they then translate that when they're applying for jobs so um, I always say to students when it's quite often students will say to me well I've got some work experience but it was only working in a restaurant or working at McDonald's or working yeah, in a bar or realize. and I say the transferable skills mm. in everything but actually it's it's seeking out those 
those sort of gems as to where they've done something that's unique within that so if we all worked at mcdonald's we we would all have some similar experience but we would also have unique stories that only apply to us as individuals so it's getting them to think about those examples and being able to translate them into a way that an employer can see the value yeah like it uh, so in an increasingly competitive graduate job market um, what can universities do to better shape students and help them maybe join the assessment process and like, all the, the learning and improving they can do to help shape them to mm. be better skilled at um, the process I think that they can help students to identify examples of where they've done stuff that uh, is going to be attractive to an employer but also stands out as an individual example so when we've done screening contracts for big employers and we did we did one a few years back for a big investment bank and they had really high entry criteria so it was something like three a's at a level and okay. a stars at everything else and all this jazz yeah. so they were clearly <laughs> just to even apply they had to be absolutely amazing 12 academically yeah. yeah 12 a levels speak 15 languages so and, and to be fair that was the kind of student that was applying they were all academically amazing so if you're getting 5,000, 10,000 of those people applying, like how the heck do they stand out? Because, mm -hmm. and, and I often used to think that was probably their first experience of being rejected at anything because they've probably excelled at everything throughout their lives. Every test or exam they've done, yeah. they've done really well. So actually probably applying for these sorts of things, and it was for, for a placement scheme, that was probably their first experience of being unsuccessful. And I think there's often a, a thought that they meet the entry criteria therefore they will progress throughout the process. So I think anything a university can do to say to them, you know, this is just to enter, this is just to enter mm. the, the, the race of, you know, the, the competition or whatever of, of getting this graduate placement or job, you need to then build on that and, and identify examples of why the employer should pick you over the other student that's got the 15A levels or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think that there's, there's a lot of work that can be done to, to make that, clear to students early on so they can start thinking in that way okay. um, and how would we best do that well I, I guess by having a, a employability modules ideally in each year of study yeah because I think that's something that they could build in into that and would you drill down into all the, the types of skills and almost explaining how and why these so. types of skills would be really transferable yeah how you explain the skills yeah, I think so. And I think because it applies to so many elements of the recruitment process, because they're having to demonstrate that potentially in a CV, if they're, if they're having to use a CV, definitely in any questions that they're asked in an application form, um, a video or telephone interview again, and also a face-to-face -face interview. So there's so many things, so many touch points where they're going to have an opportunity to give examples of things that actually it's something they've got to get right, because if they don't get that right early on, they're not even going to get through the pro yeah. any stage of the process so it's a key skill that's probably the most important part that they can prepare for mm. okay great um, is there anything we um, haven't asked you yet that we should have asked you this is Jack's favourite favourite question oh yes can be about anything in the world <laughs> nothing that's, that's coming to mind. Um, what about the book? I mean, what's what's your in fact? What's your favourite page? What's my favourite page? Page yeah. sixty four, where 64. I wrote my placement get a mention. Well, that's uh, excellent. No, I, I, well, <laughs> clearly there's loads that I, I, I like about the book. I think um, what I quite like about it is that there are some some cool sort of tasks and things, and obviously 
a reader can choose what they what they do within it but there's a task around culture and what's important to you from a culture and what values are important to you and linking that to what an employer can offer and I think that's quite a fun way of getting students to think about where there would be a, a fit for them and actually there's not going to be a fit for them with every employer and they need to think carefully about who they apply to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and with the book, so obviously we're, we're recording this mid-September and yeah. you've got the real launch fairly soon. That's right. So we've got a launch in Newcastle, which is where we're based on the 19th of September. And then we're also doing one in London at the ISC building on the 26th of September 26th. as well. So right. the good news is listeners, when they when listen to this... They can go that, out straight away and get it. Yeah, because they'll be past those dates. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, so it's available on it's all available, good platforms. It's available, absolutely. Amazon, Waterstones and the rest. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Great. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been really interesting to find out about employability and best practice. Really great to find out about the book. Yeah. Is it our first author? Uh, we n- n- no, Paul Redmond. But yeah, yeah. sorry. Yes. Yeah. Dr. Paul Redmond. Yeah. Let's not sorry. forget him. First female author? First female author. That we are aware of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so thank you very much. Thank I've been Jack. Me. Uh, and I've been Ollie. And that's been the Early Careers Podcast. Bye bye. For all things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show.